What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Jack of All. You know, I was thinking the other day was um, how many crazy stories I have from being a wedding DJ. Those aren't the years or the times that I talk about all the time, but man, you want some crazy stories, be a wedding DJ. Uh, I remember one reception I DJed, the uh, four people did toasts at the reception and the toasts lasted for an hour and a half. No hyperbole there, like literally that long. Including the father of the groom, who was a general in the military, who tells a story about catching his son, the groom, with a prostitute, at which point the bride like storms off and doesn't deter the dad at all. He just keeps right on going, and 30 minutes later, the bride comes back, and the guy is still like a halfway through his toast. Oh my, I, another one, I DJed a reception where by the end of the night, all the groomsmen were in their underwear, and they had soaped up the dance floor, and they were like taking turns slip and sliding all the way across the floor into the wall. And I'm just sitting here playing my little songs, just going to my happy place. Uh, one really crazy one. So I hadn't met this couple. Normally I meet the couple before I do their wedding, uh, but I hadn't got to meet this couple uh, they're coming from out of town, and so I had to kind of go through the wedding planner a little bit just for info about the couple, and all I heard from the wedding planner was that the groom had, quote, a severe social disorder, end quote, which, man, you want to talk about leaving somebody with questions? I was like, okay. So we show up, and it turns out that the guy just had, like, severe Asperger's, um, and so he was quirky even beyond that. And the whole wedding was just insane. I remember the mom just got three sheets to the wind immediately. Like she showed up wasted. And so the mother-son dance was about the biggest train wreck you've ever seen in your life. Uh, then the, their first dance, there was like zero eye contact between the two of them. I was like, yikes. Um... <laughs> This is this is a tough part, but at the end of the night, so it takes me about an hour to pack up. So after the reception, I pack up, and there's, I don't know how many, 20 floors in this hotel that I'm DJing at. So I'm going down to my car, to the bottom floor, to unload, and I get to floor two, and it stops, and the door is open, and there's the groom. And I was like... Uh, hey, dude, what's going on? And he looks down at the ground and he goes, Is this floor 12? I was like, Nah, bro, this is this is floor two. And then he doesn't say anything and then just sprints off in the opposite direction down the hallway. I was like, What just happened? So I, I keep unloading. And the next day, so then I, whole next day, live my normal life. At midnight the next night, I get a call from the wedding planner. And she goes, Graham, I just had to tell you uh, something about the wedding you did. I was like, yeah, hit me with it. 
She goes, the groom never got to the room on his wedding night. He ended up just sleeping in the uh, lobby. And then they got the wedding annulled like seven hours later. I was like, yeah, I could have gone my whole life without you telling me that. What a huge bummer. Um, <laughs> man, that turned out way more depressing than I meant to, but is that not insane? And I've got a million of those stories. i got to compile those sometimes or just maybe keep telling them on here. Um, all right, so I've told you this before, that I was never a great DJ, which is true. Uh, I was a highly requested DJ, but I wasn't great. I never had like the technical skills to take me to the next level, but I loved people, right? And I could read people. And so in that aspect, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, there were two aspects of DJing that my friend, um, and at that time my boss, taught me about DJing that I have applied to many aspects of communication and really of just life in general. And here they are. Number one is this. Uh, leave people wanting more. The way that that practically played out in DJing was, you've been to a wedding reception, you know you've got the different formalities, you got the bouquet toss, the garter removal, uh, the cake cut, right, all those things. Well, a lot of times, right before a formality, you'll have the dance floor just going nuts. And then, in my opinion, you cut it off then. When people are going bananas, cut it off. Because you want to hear, ah. Because uh, that's when comments like, dude, you are killing it, come out, right? If you wait till the momentum stalls, it's really difficult to get people back. Um, yeah, there are for sure songs that will bring people back up and techniques for that. But there's something magical about being a part of a moment, right? Having kind of this bottled moment. Keep that moment and then be strategic to end that part and kind of bottle it or to cap it. Um, I feel that way about communication too. Um, I think it's Andy Stanley that says uh, it takes way more preparation to deliver a short message than a long one. <laughs> that is very, very true. Man, when I used to give the message, it took a sensational amount of time. Uh, I would start usually with about three pages of just random thoughts about a topic or a verse. Then I would flesh out every one of those thoughts to wring it all out, every bit of truth or every bit of perception or perspective I could. And once those ideas had more shape, then I would kind of go through these tons and tons of pages of notes and determine which points aligned with the main point and which ones detracted focus, right? Which ones went a different direction. So then after I'd kind of whittled it down and I had my final points and my verses and my commentary, then I would begin to put them together like a puzzle kind of to see what leads well into what and... Um, what verse has to be at the beginning to give context to a later point, right? That sort of thing. But I would always keep the message to around 30 minutes uh, because, well, for one, the goal is for people to leave with one main point. So it's longer than 30 minutes. Uh, you become insanely repetitive. Uh, but also, people wanting more is way better than people leaving bored, in my opinion, right? Right? You would much rather somebody said, say, man, 
I could have listened to that guy talk for two hours instead of, man, it feels like that guy talked for two hours, <laughs> right? You, it's just a, I don't know. If you have momentum, keep that momentum and then recognize when it's going down and, and end it there. Uh, get people excited about kind of that bottled, that bottled uh, moment that you're creating. So just a tip, prepare enough that you can have the momentum through your entire presentation. And Now, here's number two that I learned from DJing, which may sound counterintuitive to point number one, but it's not. And it's this. Uh, rhythms are everything. Uh, not if the song has a rhythm. I mean, like the ebbs and flows, right? Rhythms are how you move a crowd. Um, that's how you read a crowd. That, in my opinion, is what separates great speakers, great DJs, and great stand-up comics, right? It's where you take your audience through a journey. Uh, in the DJ world, I would start slow. It doesn't have to be a slow dance, just a song with lower BPM. BPM stands for beats per minute, so one that isn't really fast. I'd usually start with that song, I Want You Back by Jackson 5, uh, which was like around 100 BPM. Then, with transitions, you would start kind of eking your way up until you get to a relatively high BPM, and that's when the, the crowd is jumping, and that's when excitement uh, it's kind of taking over, but you can't stay there, right? If you go up to a crazy high BPM and you just leave it there, then, I don't know, people start to tune out, right? It just becomes tired. It becomes white noise. So you got to drop it down. And after I had a peak moment, I would drop it down to a slower song and people would be like, oh yeah, like a I think one of my go-tos was the Barry White. My darling, I can't get enough of your love, babe. And it's slow enough where you could actually dance with somebody, like a partner dance, or you could just kind of groove around. But there has to be those peaks. There has to be a moment for you to catch your breath. Um, otherwise, it just becomes uh, tired. It come, becomes white noise. And I think the same thing with communication. If you've ever heard somebody who communicates stay at like a 10 passion level the whole time, it gets tired, you know? Is that necessary in communication? Absolutely. But if you just stay there, man, people start to tune out. You know, if somebody stays just weepy and emotional the entire time, uh, you lose connection. Are those parts necessary? Absolutely, but it needs the rhythm. If somebody is just funny, you miss out on depth, right? But if somebody's just deep and serious the whole time, you never really feel like you can let your hair down and take a breath. So, yeah, rhythm is everything. Um, you know where I've started to see this the most is my rhythm of communication and rhythm of life with my kids and wife. Um, I just realized, man, if I'm always teaching my kids that it doesn't allow for self-discovery, right? Nor does it build the trust needed for them to actually receive if I ever had something to teach. You know, the old 
don't care what you know till I know that you care type of thing. But if I'm down wrestling with them on the floor or if I'm doing their make-believe stuff or if I'm riding skateboards or, or bikes or playing soccer, then it just seems like the teaching moments or the just simply I love you and I'm proud of you moments just seem to mean more, you know? Um, I don't know if this is the case for you, but where it gets tough for me is with my spouse, is with Kristen. Why? Because because um, we're selfish. <laughs> well, that's the, the royal we. I'm not saying that for Chris. I'm saying that for me. I am selfish. Um, I naturally care more about myself than anybody else, if I'm going to be honest. That's my natural inclination. So I have to have accountability uh, for the opposite of that, right? Which is why there's a term that has always stuck out to me and been kind of a North Star goal for me and my relationship. And it's the term sacrificial love. I love that term, sacrificial love. Uh, I use that term in every wedding that I officiate, the need for sacrificial love. Um... Actually, what I say in a wedding um, is I say one of the common misconceptions of marriage is that you meet your spouse halfway. Um, and then I say the problem with that, two, one is that nobody knows where halfway is. And two is that that is dependent on the actions of the other person. Right? You need the other person to carry their weight. And so my encouragement to the couple getting married is always, instead, I would encourage you to love 100% all the time. Because there are going to be moments when your partner is just trudging, is really, really struggling, um, has a death in the family, gets laid off of work, has something going on where they will not be able to meet you halfway emotionally uh, and you need to be the one that goes and gets, that extends love and grace the entire way. Um, so yeah, uh, sacrificial love, right? That's Am I loving is a great question, but even better is just to ask yourself, am I being sacrificial? You know? Am I loving beyond what's just comfortable for me? Um, because that is recognizing what the person needs more than yourself. What does that person need? And then doing it, right? And I'm just betting, maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm betting that most of you guys can read your significant other pretty well. Uh, we may say that we can't, but we usually can. The problem is, is just very simply, we don't want to do what we know we need to do. You know? Uh, that would be like me DJing a wedding and knowing, oh man, Bruno Mars would just kill right now. You know, that's probably exactly what this crowd needs. But I heard Bruno Mars on the radio on the way over, so uh, I'm not totally into it right now. I'm probably just going to play what I want to hear. Right? There's no, there's no way a DJ would do that. But same thing, um, I have that selfish attitude with my spouse. I've thought this, man. I know that my spouse needs a word of encouragement right now. That she is just, she needs a pick me up. Um, maybe you've thought that before, but you, 
but you're like, oh, but he or she hasn't given me much encouragement lately, so you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's just conditional love. It's conditional encouragement. It is uh, you determining your needs and the pri- and prioritizing your needs over the other person's. And um, yeah, that's the selfish, right? We want to protect what we want. Um, now, I know that there is continual compromise in marriage. Okay, I'm not saying just to ignore all of your needs and wants all the time. But I am saying, what would it look like to put that person's needs above your comfort? To sacrificially love. Let's go back to the rhythms piece. To sacrificially love means to evaluate your spouse's needed rhythms and see how you can support those. Uh, I know that Kristen needs date nights. Uh, She needs morning quiet times. Um, she needs gym time, and every once in a while she needs full days without kids. Now, that can't happen all the time, but we can schedule the ebbs and flows of personal health. And I can be an instigator and protector of those rhythms for her. You know, instead of somebody who like makes her feel guilty for needing that. So, question is for you. What are your rhythms? You know, what is the excitement that you need? What are the downtimes you need? What is the brainless, like, veg out time that you need? And what is the introspective processing time that you need? Recognize your needed rhythms, the ebbs and flows that bring intentionality to the different aspects of your life. And then, Maybe even more importantly, what is that for your significant other? If you don't know, that's okay. Ask. I'm going to tell you right now, that question alone will probably bless them like crazy. You know? If you said, baby, what are the things you feel you need in a given month, right? Or in a given week? I'm sorry I haven't asked earlier, but. You know, I want to be a supporter of those things. I want us to be a team in that. I'm telling you, don't don't ask them that in public because you will probably be making out for the next three hours after you ask that, right? Uh, but it's intentionality to do that, to say what makes you healthy, what makes you fulfilled, I want to be a supporter in that. Not somebody who's trying to just prove that what I do is more difficult than what you do, but I want to learn about the rhythms that you enjoy, and I want to be a supporter and protector of those things. So, Sacrificial love. Isn't that a great term? Um, All right. I'm going for 19 minutes. That's good for today. I hope you guys have a a beautiful rest of your day, and I would encourage you, whatever this um, podcast brought up, have that conversation with your significant other, or if there's no significant other in the picture, recognize your own ebbs and flows and rhythm that's needed. So, all right, we'll try again tomorrow.